You're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you featuring author speaker and minister Michael Nimmons. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jamel Hill, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with my man, Michael Nimitz. Stay locked. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemmons. And you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. want to welcome everybody to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're in a brand new month celebrating Women's History Month. want to give a special shout out to all of our female listeners on tonight. Happy Women's History Month. And we're kicking it off in grand fashion. If you thought the month of February was great, then the month of March is going to be even better. I can't wait to share this interview I have with my good friend, uh, TV and podcast host and journalist, Jamel Hill. We're calling this the Women of Influence series right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And Jamel is a good friend of ours, a brilliant young journalist and uh, doing her thing in Los Angeles, California, writing for The Atlantic, also hosting the podcast, widely popular podcast. Jamel Hill is unbothered interviewing some of the uh, best celebrity guests and thinkers uh, in our country. Uh, and uh, it's, this podcast is available exclusively on Spotify. So we recommend you check it out for those who are looking for a good podcast to listen to. In addition, of course, to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, check her podcast out. I'm sure you're probably already listening to her uh, if you're listening to this interview on tonight as well. Uh, she also hosts a interesting uh, TV show with uh, Carrie Champion, former ESPN analyst as well. Well, uh, they host a, um, a TV show on uh, Vice TV called um, Stick to Sports. Stick to Sports. And it's a very interesting TV show. Highly recommended as well. She's doing some big things, guys. And uh, we talk about politics. We talk about sports. We talk about women in uh, politics, her career, and much more in part one of this series. We're calling Women of Influence series uh, featuring journalist Jamel Hill. We'll be sharing with you part one of this awesome interview with this talented and brilliant young journalist in just a few minutes. 
also uh, in recognition and celebration of this month of women's history, we're kicking off this uh, celebration uh, with the fun, uh, with a <laughs> with the iconic poem from the poet laureate Maya Angelou entitled "Phenomenal Woman." Uh, this is, uh, I think, a great way uh, to kickstart this Women's History Month right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, radio show. This famous poem, Phenomenal Woman, we'll be sharing that with you as our thought of the week for tonight's show as well. Remember, after tonight's podcast, we're going live on Instagram to discuss uh, the interviews at TOL Radio Host MSN. Follow us there. You'll be able to join us on our live. We call it the after show or really the show after the show live on Instagram at 930. Uh, I want to, you know, uh, I use this time to talk to our listeners and to uh, give more insights about the show, about the uh, the, the interview or the guests that we uh recently interviewed on the show and to get listener feedback about the podcast as well as talk about a number of different things plus tonight i want to talk about um uh some of the other podcasts that you might be listening to. I want to get some insight from uh, from you. It seems like podcasting is becoming widely popular now. Uh, it seems like every day somebody's coming out with a new podcast. And I'm just interested to know what podcasts are you listening to uh, during this time? And uh, a lot of things that are going on. People, again, are coming out with podcasts, it seems like, every single day. It's a podcast renaissance. And that's a good thing. I I'm just so happy to be a part of that and and to be able to uh, use this platform uh, in this way. And so tonight we're going to be talking about our interview with uh, part one of our interview with Jamel Hill, but also getting your thoughts and feedback about podcasts you might be listening to as well. We'll be doing that at 930 immediately following tonight's podcast. We had such a great time last week doing our uh, doing the after show, the show after the show, uh, talking about Judas and the Black Messiah and One Night in Miami. Uh, and of course, part two of our interview with uh, global advocate Martin Luther King III. And um, shouts out to uh, at virtual underscore diary. Uh, she's a young lady who um, uh, jumped on the live on last week. And it turns out that she um, ended up going to the same high school as uh, the lieutenant of uh, the Illinois Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton, uh, used to go to Provisio. East High School in Maywood, Illinois. And um, we were talking and, and I, you know, I was like, wow, you know, it was just coincidental that um, she just happened to be going to the same high school as this, uh, this young Black Panther. And uh, well, who the movie, of course, Judas and the Black Panther was about. And um, she also said that uh, Hall of Fame running back Jim Brown went to the same high school but it turns out that that part was not exactly true because I looked it up online and uh, according to Wikipedia Jim Brown went to Man 
Hassett High School in Long Island, New York. Um, I believe the person that she was referring to was Jim Brewer, who was a former uh, forward for the uh, L.A. Lakers uh, back in, I believe, the 70s, Jim Brewer. Uh, But nevertheless, I mean, um, it was so great to talk to her. And I just want to share with you a few minutes from that after show we had last week. Take a listen. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. So, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. That you um you're over are you you overseas now? No, no, no. I'm here at home. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually I went to the I went to the high school that uh Jim Brown and Fred Hampton attended, Provides East Township High School. It's here in Maywood, Illinois. Okay. And yes, we have met Jim Brown multiple times. He comes to the high school, you know, during during the time when I was in school, although I came out in 07, still an alum, doesn't matter how old you are, because we represent the school. Right. And, you know, he comes talk to our football players. You know, the history of Fred Hampton was taught my freshman year. I actually got a chance to sit in the chair that Fred Hampton sat in in my sophomore year in my English class. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, you, you are this close to history. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's up, Jacqueline? What's up, Jacqueline? Oh, that's my sister, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, what what's up? What's up? Thanks for joining us on the Thinking Out Loud Radio After Show. Also check, also, also check out Jacqueline. She has her uh, new her business going, the Jacqueline Agency. She's a power planner. She's a DJ. She does everything. Oh, okay. And definitely, she is God fearing. Yes. All right, wonderful. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Thank you guys for dropping through the uh, after show. This is the after show. The after the podcast airs, we come on on at nine thirty with on Instagram to kind of talk about the show, get our listener feedback, and to uh, share. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. And also, subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel as well. We're posting exclusive content from our podcast on our YouTube channel as well. Clips from uh, some of our interviews as well as other uh, important content that we're putting right there on our Thinking Out Loud TV channel. Our goal, again is to get a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. We're right now at 511 and climbing guys. So help us get there. Help us reach our goal by the end of 2021. So I'm looking forward to uh, your support of our show and we truly appreciate it. Before we take our first commercial break of the night, I just want to give um, shouts out to, again, all of the guests that we've had uh, over the four years that we have been doing the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Uh, of course, you remember on last month, we celebrated 28 days of black history uh, and uh, highlighting some of um, uh, the guests that we have uh, been able to interview. Some of we call them black history makers that we have been able to interview the four years 
years that we have been uh, doing the Thinking Out Loud radio show and just want to run through those names uh, real quickly just again give you an idea of who we have talked to uh, over these past four years. Reverend Marcia L. Dyson was number one. Number two was comedian Griff from Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. Number three was Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Rochelle Riley. Number four was all pro wide receiver Derek Mason. Number five is Emmy winning uh, uh, Emmy Award winning journalist Carolyn Clifford. Uh, number six is uh, iconic legendary radio host John Mason. Number seven is general counsel and vice president of Western Air um, Rexy Rowe. Number eight is ESPN vice president Kevin Merida. Number nine is iconic uh, photographer Monica Morgan. Number 10 is the author of The Sword and Shield, Dr. Peniel Joseph, distinguished professor. Number 11 is the first black mayor of East Point, Mayor Monique Owens. Number 12 is the CEO of Forgotten Harvest, Kirk Mays. Number 13 is criminologist and professor Dr. Jennifer Cobina. Number 14 is intellectual luminary Frederick Douglass Haynes III and pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Number 15 is radio host for Detroit Praise Network, Randy Miles. Number uh, number 16 is Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, the first black Lieutenant Governor of the state of Michigan. Number 17 is media guru and PR specialist Pam Perry. Number 18 is Wayne County Sheriff Ray Washington. Number 19 is best-selling author Sylvia Hubbard Hatula. Number 20 is um, artistic director for the Detroit Youth Choir, Anthony White. Number 21 is CHH artist, my good friend Ty Scott King. Number 22 is best-selling author and speaker, Dr. Eddie Connor. Number 23 is Detroit City Council President, Brenda Jones. Number 24 is... uh, professional doctor and um, and speaker Dr. Victoria Dooley number 25 is the Tuskegee Airmen we had opportunity to interview uh, uh, Colonel uh, Colonel Preston Jowers, uh, Sergeant Preston Jowers, and Colonel Bob Tillman of the Tuskegee Airmen. Number 26 is the Honorable Clerk Janice, Detroit City Clerk Janice Number 27 is comedian Horace H.B. Saunders. And number 28, the last shall be first and the first shall be last, is former judge and attorney Vonda Evans. She was our first guest on uh, the Thinking Out Loud radio show back in August of 2017. And she is our last uh, honoree and black history maker that we are celebrating Judge, former judge and attorney Vonda Evans. And I want to give all of them a special, special shout out and all of the guests that we have had an opportunity to interview on this four years, these four years that we have been, again, doing the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You have truly made this radio journey very special for us. And we truly, truly appreciate each and every one of you. Well, guys, we want to take our first break of the night. When we come back, we're getting right into our interview with my good friend, TV host, podcast host, and journalist, Jamel Hill from Jamel Hill is Unbothered. You don't want to go anywhere if you're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back.
Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Stephanie D. Sanders, award-winning singer, songwriter, author, voiceover artist, and more. Heard on shows like the Time Join the Morning Show and the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Book Stephanie D. Sanders to voice over your podcast or radio intros or commercials. Do yourself a favor and visit stephaniedsanders.com and upgrade your podcast or radio show by booking Stephanie D. Sanders. You'll definitely be glad that you did. Hi, this is Martin Luther King III, and you're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio host Michael Nimmons. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. that you were insufficient who told you that you were a loser who told you that you were a failure who told you that you were deficient who told you that you were nothing who told you that you were worthless who told you that you had no value who told you that you Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. If you believe in social justice, if you believe that black lives matter, if you believe that voting will bring about a change in November, if you believe that Jesus Christ is king, then you need to be listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I'm radio host Michael Nemens, and if all of your answers are yes, then you need to join me Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Available everywhere you listen to your podcast, including michaelnemons.com. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. We are back on another great, phenomenal edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And guys, I have a very, very special guest with us uh, on tonight. Uh, Somebody that is kind of like a bucket list interview of mine. Um, and I've known her for a long time and very, very proud of her and so honored to have her on the show with us. And I can't wait to get into the interview. But before we do, I want to give her a proper 
introduction. She is an Emmy Award winning journalist and the co-founder of Lodge Freeway Media and a contributing writer for The Atlantic. Uh, in April 2019, uh, she debuted a new podcast on Spotify called Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Unbothered explores the news of the day and the intersectionality between the world of sports, politics, music, identity, and culture. She's also the co-host of the popular Vice television show, Stick to Sports with Carrie Champion. I want you to give a warm, thinking out loud, radio show welcome to new friend of the show and good friend of ours, journalist, TV, podcast host, and so much more, Jamel Hill. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. <laughs> well, you got to give me applause. <laughs> you got to give me applause? Okay. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, absolutely, no, thank absolutely. you for such a warm introduction. I really appreciate uh, spending this time with you. It's been too long. Right, right, right. Guys, um, I've known her for a long time. Uh, so, so very proud of her. In fact, I, I wore the green and white because we are MSU Spartans. <laughs> Spartans for life, you know, we, we bleed green no matter <laughs> good or bad or indifferent. Right. <laughs> We're still Spartans. <laughs> yeah, right now it's looking a little rough. Uh, right, right. I know it is. Basketball season, yeah. It was a rough season, I should say. But, yeah. you know, considering what I think they made the uh, tournament 22 years in a row, I mean, Man. that's an incredible achievement, incredible run. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Spartan fans have been very dismayed by what they saw this year, but I caution them to put too much stock into it because this is the most abnormal year that we've ever had in sports mm -hmm. and in, in life, in most of our lifetimes. I mean, we should not underestimate the toll of a pandemic. You know, Michigan State's basketball team was pretty ravaged by uh, the pandemic. And I think in many ways we take for granted or we don't realize what these young athletes go through. Uh, right. As a result of that, uh, you know, you're talking about trying to play basketball in a pandemic when the scheduling's not the same, practice schedule isn't the same, how they even just basically have learned to cope is not the same. Being on campus and isolated experience, like, it, it, look, put it this way, it, it, I, it'd be one thing if Michigan State was an anomaly, but you're looking at a situation where Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, all the top programs, Kentucky, went through basically the same thing. And I think that should right. tell you or indicate just how difficult this season has been. And that's not to take anything away from the teams that have been able to succeed despite these circumstances. But, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago. I remember watching a Michigan game, and they said on the broadcast, I mean, the Wolverines had not played a game in three weeks because of COVID. Like, that's, that's not normal. Like, that's not right. how – how this game and this season is supposed to go. So I would just exactly. caution Michigan State fans from taking or uh, putting too much stock into this season. Well, I, I'm I'm glad you you um you gave us that that uh word of encouragement there because uh you know we're, we're many of us are are reeling right now. We're watching games and we're we're uh, with our fingers crossed. Like, come on, get us a win. It's been a long time, and it just seems like. Uh, they can't pull one out, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining my optimism. Uh, Tom Izzo is a hall of fame coach. And um, you know, regardless of uh, you know, what circumstances this, the team finds themselves in, they always find a way to make it work and to, uh, to come out on top. So, 
you know, if this season we we don't make it to the tournament, um, that's fine. I hope we just do a do uh you know do do decent you know we end up decent in the in the Big Ten tournament, and uh you know, I think we'll end up in what the NIT, right? Hopefully, I mean, but you know, I guess. <laughs> I'd be curious if if we did get invited to the NIT, whether or not Michigan State would actually accept. Um, mm. I know I know more basketball typically is how coaches feel like they can get better, and I can understand that. But I think I just wonder. I wouldn't be surprised if we declined it, just in in the sense of like this has been a long season and right. um, a long 2020 for most people, and, and even 2021, we're not that far into it. It's still starting to feel long already. Right, so right, right, I just right. wonder if, if maybe this might be a really good time to give these athletes a, a little bit of a mental break. Yes, yeah, good, good point. You know, I was planning on ending here, but I, but since you you started talking about Michigan State, I'll ask you a question about the the football team. You know, the new head coach Mel Tucker, um, good guy. I, I think um, you know we had some some good moments during the uh, Big Ten season, and I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the uh, football team and Mel Tucker. Do you think he's the kind of coach that can get us back to? you know, the dominance that we once experienced with Mark D'Antonio and the Big Ten? I like what I see so far. I've had a number of, of uh, conversations with Coach Tucker offline. And mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, I think it starts with feeling a sense of decency about the head coach. And he strikes me as a very decent person. Uh, good people, as we like to say. And I think that goes a long way. And, um you know, there was a lot that we have to rebuild. I think there was some very positive signs that we're seeing from this season. Obviously, it's never bad when you start your Michigan State coaching career beating Michigan. Beating That's Michigan, never right. A bad thing. <laughs> right. Never a bad thing. Never right? a bad season. So, um, so th- that's a good start to have. And I-, I think there's some building blocks that are there. But I-, I would just advise that people have patience because there, there is a lot that needs to be reconstructed. Still feels like we don't quite have a quarterback yet. Right. And if you don't have that position figured out, it's it's pretty much going to be, uh, you know, three steps forward, two steps back, or sometimes two steps forward, three <laughs> steps back, right? So right, right, right. until we find the guy at that position, and that was one thing that was a hallmark of Mark D'Antonio's um, years in East Lansing. I mean, you know, you have Brian Hoyer, Connor Cook. These are guys that are in it, playing in the NFL, Kirk Cousins. Um you know that, that a lot of winning happened alongside those guys. And so exactly, um, I, I think if we are able to stabilize the quarterback position, I think everything else will will fall into place. Yeah, I I think that that sounds sounds about right. Um, uh, yeah, that that quarterback position is key for us. And you know, when thinking about you, you mentioned beating Michigan. That wasn't a fluke either. That was a well-balanced no, – it was a balance on defense, offense. I mean, for, for that to be the game that they won, and, you you know, you hear Michigan fans always complain about, well, yeah, it was a fluke or, the you know, uh, trouble with the snap play. You remember that one? You know, we, <laughs> we, we ended up, you know, kind of winning and uh, kind of on a miracle type of play. But this game was – there was it, we beat them handily, and uh, for him to be a first-time Michigan State coach, that was a, a signature win for him. I think. Yeah, I mean, and besides, it's it's funny because like that is whenever we win, it's it's some kind of right. anomaly, right? Fluke. They win, it's, that's mm-hmm. how it's supposed the, to happen. The clock. So, 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's, it, I mean, look, it's definitely been some close games, but there's nobody who watched that game and thought we physically weren't matching up with them. We were. And so, we were. yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the Michigan fans that say that probably say it out of frustration. I know they're not very happy with their coach. Um, right now, and they're gonna have them for some more years. So, <laughs> sorry, right. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I'm happy with it too. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. But, yep. um, I, I think if to me, what I've always thought was interesting about this rivalry is, see, uh, Michigan's attention has to be split in the sense of that they have two rivals. They have us, and they have Ohio State. And right. depending on who you ask, that's a Michigan fan. And I would gather to say most of them believe Ohio State is their real rival. And they don't understand how much that feeds our fire is the fact that, like, you really? We in the same state. Like, we really should be your number one rival. And I get it. You know, I get why they would would say that. But all it does is egg us on and pokes us, right? And then um, the disrespect that sometimes it comes from them is is that they're constantly poking the bear being Michigan State. And so we're always going to take the rivalry, frankly, more serious. And (laughs) I think there's something to be said for that. And oftentimes when, if we're comparing the roster and Michigan's got all these four and five-star guys and we may not have as many, what winds up being the difference a lot of time is is that desire, is that edge that we carry into this rivalry that they have a hard time manufacturing. It seems like the only time that they can manufacture manufacture that, our level of emotion and edge is when they get beat. And when we went through that period where, I mean, for us to have Kirk Cousins, who never lost to Michigan, right? When we went through that period where it was just like we were just dominating them. Um, You know, I know that was that was tough because we weren't going to have a letdown against them because the rivalry means too much. The years that when we get beat, it's never a question of effort, intensity, or desire. It's always a question of talent. There have been years where they have lost to us where it was definitely a question of intense intensity and desire. So right. I think that's kind of the, the compelling thing and the imbalance, I guess you can say, of the rivalry that we have with Michigan. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and since we're talking about sports in a sense, um, what is your what is your take on the uh, Matthew Stafford trade to the, the Rams? You know, um, finally, Detroit gets, get you know, lets him go, uh, moves in a different direction. I've never been a Matt Stafford fan. I just think that <laughs> that he's been with us too long. We've had too many coaches. Uh, he's been, you know, that maybe that's un, unfair to him, but um, I think he's had three or four, maybe even five coaches, uh, and and so many other changes, and he's been the only constant uh, in the on the team. So for him to be gone and then moving in a new direction, what what are your thoughts on that? So I, I'm going to say something that's not really popular that fans like to hear is that a lot of times the quarterback in most cases, gets too much blame or too much credit. And uh-huh. from a talent standpoint of my lifetime, and I'm not even a Lions fan, so I say this truly objectively, Matt Stafford's the best quarterback they've ever had, like in my lifetime. Like yeah, okay. I, I, like I can't really deny is. that. Right. And, 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 to, and I, I'm okay with people who come back and say, well, you're also talking about a field of quarterbacks that include Eric Kramer and um, uh, Scott Rodney Mitchell, P. you know, Scott you Mitchell, know, Rodney yeah. P, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that, guys that that really struggle 
obviously in a Lions um, uniform, Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington. So it, it, yeah, so it's not hard to look good if some of those guys, you know, I, I think with Rodney Pete, a lot of it was injury because we saw him go on to Philly and he looked he looked all right. Right, <laughs> right. When he was whipping on the Lions. So, um, Andre Ware, Heisman Andre Trophy Ware. winner. Yeah, so it's like you, there is, it's, it, some could say, well, it's easy to look good when that's been, when you've had that level of inconsistency at the position. So I understand that. However, you know, I, while I wouldn't go as far as to say, well, you know, to, to buy into the narrative that Matt Stafford didn't ha- didn't have anyone, what he lacked was the one thing the Lions haven't been able to provide in decades, and that's structure and leadership. And mm. the truth of the matter is that the reason these results keep being the same is that the structure and the leadership ha- has not been there. And that goes from the ownership all the way down through the front office. And eventually you see that on the field. And I think that the Lions and Matt Stafford, their relationship just ran its course. And it's kind of a shame because he was good enough that the Lions really could have built something around him that was more lasting, that they could have had a better legacy around Matthew Stafford, but they didn't. I mean, he didn't really have a running game. And while he had Megatron, who was a major weapon, it's like the team always couldn't quite, you know, as they said in Kings of Comedy, curl not quite <laughs> right, you know, when it came to, to Matthew Stafford. Right. And so, unfortunately, at the end of the relationship, what you get is the very unsatisfying and un- unsatisfactory feelings that Lions fans have that I understand, which is we gave this guy all this money, and what did we get out of it? And um, I, I get it. And and you know what's going to hurt is when he's in with the Rams. And, that and have, with the Rams. <laughs> And if they frankly have a better team, better organizational structure, right? And, um, you know, at better coach, Better head coach. Right? When he goes there and you, like, love under new management, <laughs> it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to take the Rams to the Super Bowl, but do not be shocked if there is instant and immediate results like the Lions – never saw and that's because and when that happens you have to look at what are the other components that never went right wow consistently with the lions leadership has been a failure and y'all can't say i'm wrong because that the one you know what the constant has been the fours have owned the lions that's the constant (laughs) i'm gonna just leave it at that No argument there. I can't argue. I can't argue with you at all. <laughs> and the trend is, you leave the Lions and you get a Super Bowl ring in di- <laughs> circa uh, 2021 in Dominican Sioux. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, and but I also do understand this other component because you heard a lot of Lions fans say this after you know they let Stafford go. Is there was a sense of of frustration because. You know, Calvin Johnson, that didn't happen for him. Definitely didn't happen for Barry Sanders either. Right. So it's sort of like, okay, you not only pay him a lot of money, but then when he still has some years left uh, in the tank and can go play for another team, you let him walk out the door, right? You didn't give anybody else that opportunity to do that. And there's no question that Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, I would say, did more for the Lions franchise than Matthew Stafford, personally. Not necessarily – no, I mean, totally agree. I think they were better football players, but I also think the level of excitement and you know, this is a franchise that struggled with credibility. They brought this organization credibility. I mean, Calvin Johnson. I mean, you had a Hall of Fame wide receiver and a Hall of Fame running back that not are 
they're not just guys. These are guys that in all-time history will be the top five in their position. There's a lot of people who still think Barry Sanders is the best running back ever, even though Emmitt has the record, right? I'm one so, of them. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So these were guys in your franchise. And what do you have to show for? That's why I said, look, attitude reflect leadership. And I, like that has been the Lions' problem. It's like they haven't drafted well when they needed to, when they had the opportunity. They ha- haven't hired the right coaches. I mean, as of now, Wayne Fonts, is the best coach in Lions history. Can you believe you that? Can, I mean, and, and that's, that speaks for itself. You know, no, no disrespect to Wayne, but I'm like, that's, right. that's your guy? Like, that's right. the best you could do. In right. all these years, right? I mean, Jim Caldwell, you know, you may put him in there in, in that in, in, as 1A or number 2, and Jim <laughs> Caldwell was, was a good coach. But it's like, you don't have a whole lot else that you've been able to show for under this ownership of, of being able to consistently make the right decisions at coach and general manager hadn't happened. Wow. Wow. You said a whole lot there and uh, I can't argue with anything that you said because it is absolutely true. Absolutely true. Guys, I know you're uh, enjoying our interview with TV host, podcast host, journalist, and so much more. My good friend, Jamel Hill, is with us on tonight on Women's History Month feature for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So happy to have her on the show. When we come back, guys, we're going to take our first break of the night. We want to get back into our interview with my good friend, Jamel Hill. Don't you go anywhere. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Good friend of ours, iconic, legendary radio host right here in Detroit, John Mason. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you, Pastor Michael, man. out of a cloud and always listen to thinking it out loud it'll change your life it'll do it and every time you watch and listen it'll change your life every day tune in to the thinking out loud radio show every tuesday at 8 p.m with radio host michael nimmons available everywhere you listen to your podcast and now available for download on the detroit praise network app Demiree Graphics. In need of a logo design for your business, then check out Demiree Graphics. Need flyers, business cards, t-shirts, or website for your business, then check out Demiree Graphics. The people at Demiree Graphics will get you right for your next business venture. They're professional, creative, courteous, and they get the job done right every time. Check out the team at Demiree Graphics. Give them a call today at 734-219-5266. Demiree Graphics, bringing your imagination to life. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast 
Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Thinking Out Loud swag is here. T-shirts, polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. Minneapolis, Minnesota to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. I know you guys are enjoying part one of our Women of Influence series featuring TV podcast host and journalist Jamel Hill. Let's get back into this insightful and empowering interview. Believe it, guys. We were talking sports in the last segment, but in this segment, you know, we usually uh, asked our guests, um, you know, the question, tell us about yourself. But because, you know, Jamel, you, you're on TV all the time. You're, you're, in, you're in front of the camera a lot of the time. You're writing all the time, doing a lot of things. I feel like, and you probably feel the same way, that people know a lot about you. So my question to you is tell us something that nobody knows about you that you're obviously willing to share. <laughs> well, but it's, it's funny because even in the things that I feel like I've been more public about, but you'd be surprised what people, you know, don't, don't know. know. It's still, it's still people who don't know that I'm from Detroit. Right. And so yeah, that's true. Um, you and I have the backstory of, of not only, you know, Michigan state, but going, you know, we got high school together as well. Right. right? Mumford. Mumford. Yeah. Good old Mustang. So we Mustangs and Spartans. Right. <laughs> so, um, and all the toy is named after you now. 
Yeah, yeah, now, which is still very surreal to me. And right. I guess that would be, that might qualify as something that people don't know is that Mumford's Auditorium is named after me. But, um, no, I, I mean, I, I think that what I often try to talk about when in these kind of conversations where people want to know more is that I do tra- talk a lot about Detroit and how I grew up and what I felt like the city gave me because I think that's an important message. I mean, we, we both seen Detroit, the perception of Detroit kind of change over the years. And there's been a lot of stop starts to it. And then when I was growing up in Detroit, um, you know, on the West side, so shout out to my West Siders. <laughs> West side. Was, yep. So there was nothing good that was ever said about Detroit. Like nothing. I mean, nothing. People would say Motown, and that might be it. That might be the extent of of the positive things. Motown and maybe Aretha Franklin. That might be <laughs> the extent of whatever positive press that Detroit would get. So it's always been a city that's been fighting and clamoring for respect. And I think that that spirit uh, of Detroit um, is something that was woven into my DNA. And I don't necessarily mm. think I have anything to prove to people, but I do feel as if I have a chip on my shoulder and that I demand a certain level of, of respect. And I get a lot of that from coming from Detroit. And I also understand what it's like to be the underdog and what it's like to be looked down upon and what it's like when you have people, um, people and systems that you're surrounded by that don't necessarily believe that you're worth anything and Mm. i get i i get it so i think that's why um i'm passionate about so many social justice issues is because i saw how they played out in our city every day you know um about having that lack of uh infrastructure um about what it looks like when people think black people as a collective and as a community aren't worth anything Mm. and so seeing that is what has certainly fueled um, my passion to speak out about these issues, bring awareness to these issues and do what I can with my platform um, to try to, to fight against some of these systems that I feel like have purposely targeted uh, African-Americans um, in this country and really black people around the globe. So a lot of that stems from that. And so I always think it's important when I talk about, you know, myself and my roots that, I always, uh, you know, address that or whatnot. So, um, you know, for me, that's that's a big cornerstone and a big piece of like of of who I am. Wow, that's a great answer. And you know, um, Detroit is is definitely um, that that kind of city that you know gets a lot of criticism and gets a lot of flack for um, you know. Uh, a lot of different things, but I, I certainly consider you one of the icons of uh, of the city. You uh, you represent us well wherever you are, and um, and certainly we're we're very happy to be talking to you on tonight. And you know, I follow your followed your career uh, for a long time, and um, I know you've been asked this question uh, before, but um, I want to kind of revisit it in this in this particular venue. But since your tweet. Criticizing uh, President Trump, former President Trump, 
you know, it like it seems like your career has been on an upward trajectory. You 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 you've climbed. I mean, it's just just been phenomenal. Um, but you know, do you do you think that the reason for the spike was because you were saying something that was on the minds of millions of Americans, millions of Americans that um, you know you just had the platform to say it. You just had the the, the boldness and the the audacity to say it. Is that is that what you think contributed to the spike in your career? So I, I think um, what happened in the response to the tweet um, was that it, I, the response was so outrageous because it was a combination of a few factors. It was um, race, gender, platform, and also person, as in the person I was talking about. Right. Um, and then another thing is is obviously the nature of what I said. You know, anytime you accuse somebody of being a racist and a white supremacist, right? It, you know, that's pretty provocative for a lot of people. That's pretty shocking, especially when you're talking about the president, not mm-hmm. just an ordinary citizen, not even somebody a leader of another kind. You're talking about the the highest authority in this country, and I think that. Uh, being at ESPN was another lightning rod. And the fact specifically at the time I was a host, the host of sports center, which is a legacy brand for this right. company. Right. And you don't often hear, if ever hear political opinions from somebody sports. who is a sports center anchor, even though this was not said on ESPN, this was said on Twitter. And at the time, I think this was a conversation about whether or not the president is a racist and some of the things that he was saying and also some of the things it, it, you know, cause people have to understand this is when I said that about the president, it wasn't just about some of the bigoted things that he had said. It was about him using his bigotry to institute policy, which is right. different, right? Okay. That takes it to another level. That's not to say it would have ever been acceptable just the words alone, but these were words combined with action. Mm. That's the difference, all right? Mm. Um, when there is a feeling and a sense that the president does not have a respect and a regard for all human beings and does not believe in equality, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, you, you, when you say, this being the president, that Mexicans are rapists and the only people that are that they're sending over the country is if they're sending anybody are the worst kind of people, and then you're following that up with this, with deporting and separating families, see that's where bigoted actions, meet, bigoted thoughts meet action, or exactly. bigoted, you know, statements meet action, and right. so that that is what was the, the core of what I was was talking about. And so, um, at any rate, I think, you know, as we started to have these critical conversations in America, and frankly, as the president continued to prove me right, <laughs> that is how the spike if you want to call it that, and my career happened, because I think people realized what I said was true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fast forward to during the presidential debates, the presidential candidates were calling him those same things, the same things that I called him, like they were saying water was wet. So (laughs) it's like, that's how much in the conversation and in the lexicon, that's how much, frankly, as a nation, many of us had accepted this about this man who was in power. And so, right. 
um, I think as people started to realize it, a lot of people then began to position me as like, oh, you were trying to put this on, put us on to this a while ago. And uh, I, I think, you know, there's something to be said for people also finding some, I don't know if you want to call it inspiration or whatever, uh, in the fact that I spoke so plainly, but I always tell them the reason why I spoke so plainly and so candidly, candidly, excuse me, was because I didn't think it was controversial what I said. That's mm-hmm. why it was easy for me to say, because right. I, I honestly thought a lot of people already thought this. Like I have never said that I was the first or the only person to say this about the president. I mean, Ta-Nehisi Coates, the brilliant writer, he laid out an entire essay about Donald Trump being a white supremacist that ran, I had read that essay, it ran weeks before I even said it. Um, it, it was published in The Atlantic, where, where I work now. But, mm-hmm. you know, as things unfolded in his presidency and certainly with the way he left, you know, a lot of people have asked me recently, especially if I feel vindicated. And I think that's a strange word because I don't feel vindicated because this is not something I wanted to be right about. Mm. I didn't want it to be, I didn't want this nation to be governed by a white supremacist and a racist. Like that's, that's, you know, this isn't like a sports prediction where you're excited that you get something right. Like, Oh man, I predicted Tampa Bay would win the Super Bowl. Yay. <laughs> no, this doesn't work that way because right. I live in this country. I'm a citizen. I'm a black woman and I don't want to be governed by racist. So it's like, I, I don't really take any pride right. or pleasure and being quote unquote right because of there have been people's lives that were ruined and that have been ruined by racism and white supremacy. I'm not attaching all of this to Donald Trump, but just like in the history of our nation, we sometimes forget that racism has a cost, like a real cost. It has killed people, right? right? It has brutalized generations. It has murdered people. And so we can't, we can't ever let ourselves think of it as something so nonchalantly as, oh, don't you feel vindicated? No, this, no, I don't feel vindicated that you had immigrant immigrant children separated from their parents, some of which have never not not been re- reunited. Hundreds of children that children that were just lost. Like, no, I don't I don't feel good about that. I don't feel good about the number of black men that were executed through the death penalty, the federal death penalty, which was off the table until Donald Trump got in the office. And uh, he decided to reinstitute the death penalty after a 19-year hiatus. I don't feel good about that. I don't want to look at that and say, see, I told you, no, those are people who lost their lives. So for me, it's it's very much um, an uncomfortable, uh, it's uncomfortable to be put in. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Thinking Out Loud swag is here. T-shirts. 
polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. Award-winning journalist, Carolyn Clifford. As journalists, we just have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out. And all we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner, and everything else will work itself out. Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson. Obviously not Nancy Pelosi, because again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that she's not going to be the ones who stopped uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud but talking out loud whoever they are authentically pastor and intellectual Dr. Frederick Haynes III. The black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar L.H. Welchel, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, That's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself uh, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to, you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister, Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. I know you guys are enjoying part one of our Woman of Influence series featuring TV and podcast host and journalist Jamel Hill. Let's hear the conclusion of part one of this inspiring and empowering interview. Totally agree with you and I'm still reeling uh, over the past four years that we had to go through um, as a nation with this man at the helm. I, I, I just can't believe that he was elected back in 2016 and that there were 75 million people still wanting to give him another opportunity to um, continue to destroy this country. 
uh, as if, you know, he deserved another another chance with with so many so much blood on his hands as it is, uh, you know, uh, 14, 15 million uh, deaths as a result of this uh, deadly pandemic, you know, and so many more. Uh, lives that have been affected by COVID-19 because of the ineptitude of leadership in the White House. So I agree with you. Um, and, and you don't want to be right about it, what, you, what your thoughts were. But unfortunately, you were right about that. And um, it's just sad. But but I'm, I'm thankful that uh, he is a distant memory now and we can move forward with the new administration. And speaking of that, um, this is Women's History Month. And I want to find out from you, um, you know, what, uh, how important was it for uh, President Joe Biden to pick not just a woman uh, as his vice president, but a black woman as his vice president? Uh, this was historic, and that's probably an understatement. You know, I live in Los Angeles, so uh, for I moved here in 2018. So Kamala Harris was my senator, <laughs> you know, and I've been. Uh, You've interviewed her too. Yeah, I say I've been very fortunate because I've gotten to know her a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's, I, I want to put the, her appointment in perfect historical context in mm -hmm. the sense that this is something that could be a gateway to even something more historic happening, as in. We could be looking at our first, you know, uh, president that's a black woman in Kamala Harris. Uh, that could certainly be a, a, a strong possibility. Um, or it could be Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I think it could be one of those two women easily, right? Oh, right. You're Nobel at, Peace Prize winner. Yeah. I mean, what you're looking at what this represents, you know, much like there, was, there were a lot of black men who seeing uh, you know, President Barack Obama elected, struck a different chord with black men, I think. Then he, I mean, with black people, period, for sure, but definitely with black men who absolutely could, could look at him, uh, could see, you know, uh, despite all the things that uh, the former president went through, but to, to have a black man get to that level, it, it meant a lot, especially the young black boys in particular. So, it's the same with Kamala Harris, where is this is symbolic for so many reasons. Um, you know, black women, this is a time in our country where black women, um, they're the only ethnic group to actually own more businesses than their male ethnic counterpart partners, uh, counterparts, excuse me. So there are more black women that own businesses than, than black men, which is very uncommon in the gender dynamic among all, you know, kind of races. Uh, black women um, are now the most educated group in the country. And so you have, and we see this politically, there's a different level of, of political mobilization happening among black women. You have Stacey Abrams, as I mentioned, who um, after losing, or I should say being cheated out of being governor a few years ago, right. decided to put boots to the ground. And because of her work and the work of Latasha Brown, who is a co-founder of Black Voters Matter because of the WNBA players, deciding to throw their support behind Reverend Raphael Warnock in that critical Senate race. Right. All these black women and women of color mobilizing um, politically to take charge. And I think that is very telling about this moment that we're in. Like a lot of black women in particular are really stepping into their power. And Kamala Harris is the latest iteration of that. She's been a first 
practically her whole career, you know, mm. first attorney general of California. Um, as it was, I believe she was only uh, the, the the 10th or the 11th uh, black U.S. Senator ever. There's only been, oh, actually, she's not number 11. I think she's 9 or 10. I think it was Cory Booker, and uh, it, it went President Barack Obama when he was elected uh, U.S. Senator um, in you know for Illinois. Then it was mm-hmm. Cory Booker, and I think then it was Kamala Harris, right? Wow. So the fact that we've only had 11 African-American senators in U.S. history, 11. Mississippi, strangely, had the first one in 1870, haven't elected one since. So I'm like, okay. But wow. anyway, I say all this to say is that when you look at what this means and for her to, what she had, what she had to achieve to get there. I mean, this was noticed with Barack Obama, you know, he had to be, uh, you know, he had to go to Harvard. He was, I think he was the first um, African-American to uh, lead the Harvard Law Review. Uh, right. Senator, president of Harvard Law Review. Correct. Yeah. President. Yep. He was the first one. So, great family, obviously, Um, all the things he had to do, all the ways he had to be perfect to get the president. Here's why Donald Trump's election was such a, frankly, such a slap in the face, because all he had to do was be rich and white, right? That was all the qualification he needed. Barack Obama had to be the best at everything. Same thing with Kamala Harris. She had to be the best at everything to get (laughs) to this point. And so there's a lot of, um, there's a sense certainly of relief in the sense that black women especially over the course of the last four years, have done a lot to politically demand attention and demand their own action items. And to see that pay off in Kamala Harris um, was a moment for all of us. And, but the other part I'll say to this, because I feel like we did this with Barack Obama, is when Barack got elected, a lot of us took our foot off the gas. Um, mm. In the sense, like, we were also energized, you know, to vote for him and, and, in both 08 and in 2012, but that energy during the four years wasn't there. And it wasn't just about voting. It was about staying engaged politically, period. And we didn't mm. do that, which is why he lost the majority very quickly as soon as he got off it, in office. Mm. We didn't vote, right? We didn't, you know, we didn't vote, and that didn't allow him to consistently get some of his important policies, policies that were important for our community across. And for that matter, we didn't demand accountability the same way when he was there. And what I'd like to see is with Kamala Harris that that support not only be there, but also that accountability, because I think that's the other important part. Voting is just one cog in the in the wheel. It's not the whole wheel. And we have to make sure that, frankly, we approach every year here on out with the same energy we had in 2020, not just regarding the election but just about how we mobilize as a community around George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, about really holding the people in power accountable. It's easy to do it when it's an election at stake. It's so much harder for our interests to be there and our energy to be there when they're in office because we start feeling that sense of release and satisfaction. You know, a lot of people, I understand, they celebrated with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were elected. Given the last four very emotional years, I get it. But I didn't celebrate. I mean, I, I, of course, I recognized the achievement. I should say I, I recognized it and was very proud to have been able to witness this moment in my lifetime. But I also felt a sense of we got a lot of work to do. A mm. lot. There's a lot that happened the last four years that need to be done. Frankly, there's a lot in this country that's happened the last 400 years 
that we never have addressed, period, that need to be undone. Mm -hmm. And the only way that this is going to happen is that we really have to commit to breaking systems. It can't be reform. It can't be, um, you know, trying to add Band-Aids that have proven they don't work. It's got to be a hard, uncomfortable break. And so I hope that is the energy that the election of Kamala Harris has stirred in all of us. Um, because this is a long road that we have ahead of us. I completely agree with you. And, and yes, uh, it's, it's, it has, uh, it has, um, been quite, uh, uh, emotional for years. I just, uh, interviewed Martin Luther King, the third, um, a few days ago and asked him that question about, you know, how, how is it that, um, well, well, given the former president, President Trump's administration and, and what Republicans allowed him to do and basically run roughshod in their party, um, you know, to, to kind of, uh, you know, give your perspective on, you know, what has happened and has he how far has he put this country back, you know, and, and are we will we be able to recover? And surprisingly, he said that, yes, there are some he has done some irreparable damage uh, to uh, not just the country, but to the Republican Party in some respects. But he was very optimistic about the country being able to recover and um, and, 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 well, well, and yeah, and coming. No, back. I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm glad that he was uh, mm -hmm. optimistic because, I, you know, to be perfectly honest, my optimism comes and goes and because mm. because what the element. I, I think people need to understand and be very clear about this. Donald Trump wasn't the bug. He was the feature. Okay. <laughs> so we can't treat this like a one-time thing. Everything that he did, he just did it in a more boorish, outlandish, way. impolite mm. way. Correct. Mm. But everything that he did and talked about previous Republican administrations have done. Have done. So you know, Ronald Reagan well, I, I would say this: Donald Trump, in many ways, was the was the twin of Ronald Reagan. Okay, Ronald mm. Reagan created "Make America Great Again." That was his slogan, mm. and we forget that. And when we, especially now that we know the true essence and the true motive behind the "quote unquote" war on drugs and the war right. on, frankly, black people in inner cities, right? Ronald Reagan engineered that. Mm. All right, and before he got to it, Richard Nixon did it. Right. So this Tricky is a deep. line that has been in this party for a long time. The only part they rejected is that they did it is that Donald Trump did it disavowing political norms that they assumed stupidly that he would follow. Right. You know, the difference is that Richard Nixon, he believed in government. Ronald Reagan believed in government. He believed that government and government institutions and, and, and presidential decorum and all these things. But the essence and the philosophies, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, they all the same. <laughs> like, they all the same. And I'm not nutting Democrats off the hook either because many of what they have done has just been the softer version of what the conservatives have done. They're just mm -hmm. nicer about it, right? <laughs> right so right. we need to be very clear about, um, you know, making sure that we understand that, that what Donald Trump uncovered or what he further uncovered 
was already percolating. He just brought it to the surface. And now that he's brought it to the surface, the Republican Party has a big problem on their hands. It's not even a problem. It's actually a problem we, they want. We need to stop treating them like they're victimizing this. They're not. They want those 70 million uh, people who support Donald Trump. They want those people. Right. And so that's why you have people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and all these other spineless Republicans refusing to have condemned the big lie, the big lie being that Joe Biden stole this election. They're not right. going to do that because they want to keep his base in play. They're exactly. not going to distance themselves from Donald Trump because they want the 70 million um, people. So you will never see, like, everybody who thought that once he was out of office, the real Republicans would show up. The real Republicans have been showing up. Mm. <laughs> but now the problem that we have as a nation is that it's hard. You know, I, I understand why he did this. Joe Biden, he had to call for unity because, frankly, what else can he do? So, but it, you can't unify with people unless there are basic truths that we all agree on, right? Right. One of those basic truths has got to be he actually won the election and won it fairly and won it the right way and, and won it. He won it. Right. We can't even agree on that. How, on that. Unify. <laughs> we, how can we unify? Right. We, right. we you know, it, it, it very much mirrors some of these racial conversations that we try to have in America. The problem with why police brutality is still not an issue that all Americans see as a problem is because some of us don't think it's bad. That's mm. the problem. Mm. We can't, we can't unify. Mm. If you don't agree that it's not a good idea that the police be allowed to with impunity, brutalize black people armed or unarmed. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know, we say unarmed and it's just like, okay, but even in, dangerous situation there's there's protocol and we have seen plenty of white people with dangerous objects doing dangerous things <laughs> walk away without being murdered without being so the rest, restraint is possible we saw that with the capitol riot exactly restraint is possible, restraint is possible. Okay? Re it's possible we saw it okay so if we can't agree on police accountability then that's why we can't that's why it turns into a debate when a black person is killed. That's why Breonna Taylor is still a debate. Right. right? That's why Trayvon Martin, even though I know it wasn't someone who was a, a law enforcement officer, that's why that's still a debate because still everybody debate. don't agree it was wrong. Right. And I'm like, if we can't even agree it's wrong that a 16 year old is killed by a, a neighborhood watch dude, then what kind of conversation can we actually have? We can't have one. Woo. So, preach. Unfortunately, in this country, there are too many times where racism becomes a debate. We still got people who think that the Civil War happened because of states' rights and not because of slavery. We mm. can't even agree on that. <laughs> All right. We know what it was. Right. But, so, as long as we cling to that, as long as we protect whiteness, and as long as we value, and when I say we, I obviously don't mean black people. I really mean white people. As long as white people value their wh whiteness over the humanity of everybody else, we're going to be in this moment forever. It just is what it is. You tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Thinking Out Loud swag is here. T-shirts, 
polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you... Who Told You That You Were Naked is a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. It's time, 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 for the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show of the Week. Tonight, as we commemorate and celebrate Women's History Month, I thought it would be an excellent idea if we share with you an iconic poem from an iconic poet, Maya Angelou, Phenomenal Woman. Take a listen. Many people wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. When I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say... It's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man the fellows stand, or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. I say, it's the fire in my eyes, the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, the joy in my feet. 
I'm a woman. Phenomenally. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say, it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palms of my hands, the need for my care. Because I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, all you women and me. Phenomenal woman, uh, a phenomenal poem that really talks about uh, the beauty and the essence of uh, women, and uh, especially our black women, our black queens and princesses uh, that God has definitely blessed us all with. And uh, shouts out to each and every one of you tonight who are listening. You are definitely phenomenal women. And we thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Shouts out to TV host, podcast host, and journalist, my good friend of Jamel Hills Unbothered, Jamel Hill, for being with us on tonight, sharing with us in part one of her interview, Women of Influence series. I told you it was going to be powerful, guys. She is a young, brilliant journalist and friend of ours, and I truly appreciate her taking time out of her busy, busy schedule. Uh, we've been working, trying to really schedule a time for her to be on with us, and uh, thankfully, she was able to set aside some time uh, just a few weeks ago to be with us and we truly appreciate her uh, next week guys the interview is going to be even better talking more about women of history and talking about politics and uh, we're also going to be talking about her uh, recent article in the Atlantic uh, dealing with the Star Spangled Banner uh, this is a really really controversial uh, subject matter so uh, I uh, look forward to sharing part two of that interview with you on next week. You don't want to miss part two of our Women of Influence series featuring journalist, TV host, and podcast host, Jamel Hill. And remember, guys, it is not over. We're going to see you in just a few minutes uh, live on Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN for our after show, the show after the show. Looking forward to chopping it up with those of you who would decide to come through and talk to us. We're going to be talking not just about our interview with Jamel Hill, but also want to get to know you as well as find out what other podcasts you are listening to as well. They're according to Apple Podcasts, I think. 
over some 500,000 podcasts that are out there right now. Seems like it may be even more than that because uh, we're it feels like in the middle of a podcast renaissance and <laughs> every day somebody's coming out with a new podcast and it's a great thing uh, to do and a great thing to uh, be a part of. So uh, we'll be looking forward to chopping it up with you in just a few minutes during the after show live on Instagram. Remember to follow us at TOL Radio Hosts on Instagram and Twitter as well as check out our Facebook page of Michael Nimmons Facebook.com forward slash Michael Nimmons uh, there you'll be able to uh, chop it up with us, catch up with us and find out all the things that we're doing uh, on social media Remember guys, March is Listener Appreciation Month and we appreciate each and every one of you who listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show on a regular basis and even those of you who are listening to us for the first time. Do us a favor guys, if you're listening and you're enjoying the podcast, hit the subscribe button, rate and review us and guess what? We're going to give you a shout out during the show in the month of March and we're going to post your picture on our Thinking Out Loud Instagram feed. So send us a photo at contact at michaelnemons.com as a way to let us know that you have rated and reviewed the show uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show and we'll post your picture on our Instagram feed and promote you during the month of March. So guys, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Share uh, this podcast with your friends, your co-workers and colleagues, your neighbors, whoever uh, that you like to share this podcast where we think we're doing some great things right here on Thinking Out Loud radio show and the great thing about the podcast is it's absolutely free. This knowledge is free and we're giving you some of the best minds, giving you their best thoughts right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So guys, I hope you're excited about this platform and we are as well. Uh, We're getting ready to jump off and head into our live on Instagram and we hope to see you there as well. Again, be sure to tune in next week for part two of our interview with TV host and journalist, uh, podcast host, Jamel Hill. I can't wait to share with you part two from this interview. Always remember, guys, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio 